In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I saw this ad come up on my computer this past week. In, in big print was written, what is the smallest caliber gun you can trust to protect yourself? And the answer was a Beretta Jetfire. And then in the small print, there was a quote from a North Dakota woman. While out hiking in Alberta, Canada my husband, with my husband, we were surprised by a huge grizzly bear charging at us from out of nowhere. She must have been protecting her cubs because she was extremely aggressive. If I had not had my little Beretta Jetfire with me, I would not be here today. Just one shot to my husband's kneecap was all it took. <laughs> the bear got him and I was able to escape just by walking away. <laughs> Happy Father's Day. <laughs> Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. It's great to be back here at Christ Church Cathedral, and thank you for your faithful witness, uh, not only in the province but throughout the world, and, and just a, an upfront thank you for hosting our provincial council meeting this week and our College of Bishops meeting this week. Having a father around is extremely important. According to the U.S. Census Bureau data, over 18.4 million children live apart from their biological fathers. That's one out of every four children in America. That's enough children to fill New York City twice and Los Angeles four times. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes, nine times the national average. 75% of all adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes, 10 times the national average. And 85% of all teenagers in prison come from fatherless homes, 20 times the national average. Having a father around is important. Not having a father around means a child will more likely go to prison Four times greater, uh, has a four times greater risk of ending up in poverty and more likely to have serious behavior problems. Having a father around is extremely important. And this is why we as a church should step up and help single moms or those whose husbands are in jobs which keep them away for extended periods of time, like serving in the military. Genesis 18, 19 tells of Abraham, who's a father, and the Lord speaking about Abraham, and he says this, for I have chosen him, that he may command his children and the children of his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. All of us fathers, regardless of our age or stage of fatherhood, should make this our motto and purpose, so to teach and live and instruct the word of the Lord that those who follow us will keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. And this doesn't change in the New Testament for the follower of Jesus. Actually, the expectation is higher. We are followers of Jesus, the Son of God, the Father. As followers of Jesus, we're called to imitate Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit 
to love as he loved, to serve as he served, to sacrifice as he sacrificed, to give as he gave, to heal as he healed, to teach as he taught. All of us should be imitating or attempting to follow what Jesus did. After all, he's our savior, he is our Lord. As fathers, I want to challenge you to consider your fatherhood through the lens of Jesus. If you're fathering in the home or fathering from a distance, I invite you to consider the model of Jesus. Our Lord has often been described with the motif of prophet, priest, and king. Prophet, priest, and king. I believe it was the reformer John Calvin who first focused on the threefold office of Jesus as prophet, priest, and king. Seeing that all three of these offices converged in Jesus, he called it the munus tripex, or the threefold office. Jesus was prophet, Jesus was priest, Jesus was king. But more, Jesus was and is the prophet. Jesus was and is the priest, and Jesus is the king. So what I'd like to do this morning is try to explain this and then apply it to our ministries as fathers. As we think of Jesus the prophet, we remember Moses, the great prophet and lawgiver of the Old Testament. He led the people out of slavery in Egypt. He gave the people the word of God, actually from God, in the Ten Commandments, in the Sinai Covenant, we, what we call the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. Um, actually, this week I was just able to see Michelangelo's incredible statue called Moses in the Basilica of St. Perdo in, uh, in Verona, uh, the Basilica of St. Perdo in Vincoli, in, which is in Rome. It's this amazing, lifelike statue of Moses. Well, one of the prophecies in the Old Testament about the Messiah was given to Moses. The Lord said to him in Deuteronomy 18, 18, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I have commanded them. The Jewish people from that time on expected a Messiah who would be a prophet like Moses. In the story of the feeding of the 5,000, we find this in John chapter 6, 14, after Jesus had fed them. When the people saw the sign that Jesus has done, they said, this indeed is the prophet which has come into the world. They associated Jesus with this prophecy. On the Mount of Transfiguration with Moses and Elijah, you may remember that story. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up onto the mountain and this cloud descends and there appears Moses and Elijah and the Lord speaks out of the cloud. In Matthew 17, five, he says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. In other words, you've had Moses as your prophet. You've had Elijah as your prophet. Now I'm sending to you my son. Listen to him. In Acts chapter three, after the resurrection and ascension and the day of Pentecost, Peter and John were headed to the temple to pray and there's this man who was a crippled beggar and they heal him. And then Peter responds by quoting this very prophecy about Jesus being the prophet. Jesus was a prophet, 
Secondly, Jesus was priest. In the Old Testament, the priest was the intercessor on behalf of the people. That is, the priest representing the people would intercede on their behalf for prayer, for mercy, for guidance, for the forgiveness of their sins. The high priest would go into the Holy of Holies once a year, what we, what's called the Day of Atonement, and sacrifice on behalf of the people to atone for their sins, that they might receive God's mercy and forgiveness. We can see that described in Leviticus 16. This, this was a big deal in Old Testament theology and worship. And this is why the temple worship system was so important to the Hebrew people. Jesus fulfilled this role of intercession, not only by his prayers for the people, John 17, Garden Gethsemane are two examples, but by his death on the cross to atone for the sins of the people. As John called him, he was the Lamb of God. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, John 1.29. The writer of the Hebrews writes it this way, Hebrews 9.11 But when Christ appeared as a high priest of good things to come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Jesus was priest. And then third, we see Jesus is king, is king. The king of kings in the Old Testament is David. He was the king of Israel. And he was promised that the Messiah would be one of his descendants, that the Messiah would be born of his bloodline. And of course, we know all the events around Jesus' birth, that he was born in Bethlehem, which is also called the city of David, and that he was a descendant of David, both in his mother's line and his stepfather's line. David was king of kings in the Old Testament. Jesus is king of kings for all eternity. As Philippians 2.10 says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And Revelation 19.16 gives Jesus the title of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The Bible proclaims Jesus as prophet, king, priest, and king. Prophet, priest, and king. The late Tim Keller writes this. These are mega themes of scripture connected to Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. As prophet, Jesus preached and taught scripture with authority. As priest, Jesus cares for people and deals with their sin and compassion. As king, Jesus demonstrated his rule over creation through the miracles while on earth, and today rules and reigns over his people through church leaders, principles, and systems by his Holy Spirit and according to his word. And so fathers, since we're supposed to be imitators of Christ, and his spirit is seeking to conform us to the image of Christ, I want to challenge you to look at your fatherling responsibilities through the motif of prophet, priest, and king. The father is prophet. As a father, it's your responsibility to make sure your family hears the teachings of Jesus and the word of God. 
to make sure that your family is taught the teachings of Jesus and the word of God, to make sure your family is modeled and on the teachings of Jesus and the word of God. This could involve bringing scriptures to your children through Bible reading and study or songs or coming to church or movies or or quoting scripture. This could involve bringing the word of God to the real life situations that you're facing or that your children are facing. Might involve discipline or study or school or money or stress or problems or, or fun. Now, dad, this doesn't mean that only you have to do this. But it's imperative that you have an environment conducive for this and that you can model this the best you can. Oftentimes in our family, Allison, my wife, would read to the kids or teach them principles from the Word of God. Or we'd have them in Sunday school or activities in which they would be exposed to the Lord and to His Word. However your family does this, The environment is to be such that the word and the voice of God can be heard by your family. Having your family in a church like this one that teaches the Bible, or having your children in spiritual activities, for we make all this effort to get them in the right schools or in the right sports programs, but what about the right environments for their relationship with God? And this starts at home. As a father, it's your responsibility to make sure your family hears the word of God, is taught the word of God, and is modeled on the word of God. Do your children know the Ten Commandments? Do your kids know how to have a time alone with God with Bible reading and prayer? I know, fathers, this sounds like a lot when your, your own schedule and your life is so busy but it's still your responsibility. But that's why God gives you a helpmate. I mean, I found Allison to be a much better Bible teacher than I am. Are you attempting to model living the word of God in your home? None of us are perfect. I know I'm not, but God gives the Holy Spirit to help us in our fatherly roles. Secondly, the father as priest As we said a minute ago, the priest would make intercession on behalf of the people's sin. Isn't that what Jesus does for us? What do we do when our family members mess up, when they sin or when they sin against us? Do we offer forgiveness? Do we practice forgiveness? Do we model asking God's forgiveness? This is really difficult in most families. When someone messes up, family systems from our family of origin just kick in. And rather than responding in the Holy Spirit, we respond out of our emotional conditioning. And most of the time, we're not even aware we're doing it. And oftentimes, it can be pretty bad. God is seeking to remake us into the image of his son and manifesting the fruit of the Holy Spirit, God's love. God's joy, God's peace, God's patience, God's gentleness and God's faithfulness, God's goodness, God's self-control. We followers of Jesus often have to renew our minds, as Romans 12, 1 and 2 speaks of, and live and respond in the Holy Spirit and in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. 
I mean, this is what the Holy Spirit is seeking to do in us, to conform us, all of our being, into the image of Jesus. Our son James, when he was in high school, he was involved in an activity in which the adult leaders were all public Christians. Everybody knew they were followers of Christ in the student body and in the faculty. I had a trust of these people because of what I perceived was their outward Christianity and and because of our relationships. But then James got involved in their activities. The way they led the students, the things they would say, the way they treated the kids was anything but Christian. I'll never forget going to my son and apologizing to him for the bad role models these folks were and for me putting him in that situation. It was quite a humbling experience on my part and for me. I won't forget it. But that's part of being in the priestly role. We have to model forgiveness. The father as king. The father as king doesn't mean the father is a tyrant or some kind of house lord. Honey, you can now call me king. The archbishop said so. No. Jesus is our model. And what did he do? Philippians 2.5 says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. He is our example. We humble ourselves. We're to be humble kings and serve our families. I hated changing diapers. (laughs) I don't like cleaning toilets. And I really don't like spending my free time doing chores. Taking the garbage out is still not exciting. (laughs) But Jesus is our example. He's the humble king. And yet, fathers, you are the final authority in your family. God is going to hold us fathers responsible and accountable for our family decisions and activities. As modern as we all are, and the strange values that our culture now embodies, God is still going to hold us fathers accountable for how we lead our families. We have this God-given role in the family, and it's very serious. Praise the Lord, he's not left us alone and helpless. He gives us the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord, he wants us to succeed. And praise the Lord, his mercy and loving kindness and forgiveness is everlasting. Dad, God, God's for us. So matter, so matter how tough it is right now for you, ask God to help you, and he will. As Christian fathers, we have this threefold role in our families, prophet, priest, and king. Now, we all work at this imperfectly because we're imperfect. And so, fathers, just as the prophets and the priests and the kings of the Old Testament needed to be anointed for their role, we need to be anointed for our role. We need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We cannot fulfill this calling without the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
And praise God, he's not left us as orphans in the faith, but he sends us the Holy Spirit. What is the promise of our Heavenly Father that he gives to those who come to him in faith and repentance and are baptized? Acts 2, 38 and 39 tells us he gives us not only the forgiveness of our sins, but the, but the gift of the Holy Spirit. Fathers, the place we all need to start, the place I always need to start, is getting right with the Lord and being filled with his Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter what your age or the age of your children or, or if you've got grandchildren. We all need the anointing and the filling of the Holy Spirit. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, he will help us fulfill our prophetic, priestly, and kingly calling as fathers. The Holy Spirit helps us follow Jesus and live the Christian life. He helps us be good and godly fathers. The Holy Spirit is given to those who come to Jesus by faith. And we're renewed daily in the Holy Spirit when we confess and repent of our sins. And oftentimes, all we just need to do is ask, Lord, fill me anew and afresh with your Holy Spirit. So happy Father's Day. May God empower us fathers to be his prophet, his priest, and his king in our families. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.